Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. We are one minute late tonight. We got slight, I got slightly distracted in the computer world. Tonight's topics, groundwork, because the groundwork webinar is coming up on Sunday. Please don't forget. It's actually pee off in hand, but it's all about groundwork and in hand work. We're talking about um, managing fear because there was a really great post from one of the stride students that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, we're going to be talking about marriage counseling. <laughs> I call me. it marriage counseling because um, Herman's been helping me with one of my horses. Because <laughs> he, he, he pushes my buttons. Yeah. Very so, um, very short order. Yes. So we're not actually going to marriage counseling, but sometimes I feel like your trainer is your marriage counselor with your horse and we all kind of need intervention sometimes. And we're talking about fear. And then there's like 15 questions that we're supposed to answer. So let's rock. Um, first and foremost, the groundwork webinar, which is this Sunday, what the ground well it's actually called piaf made simple so what i'm going to be doing inside the webinar is breaking it down step by step showing you a lot of really great exercises that you should really be doing with your horse every single day just to get their bodies where they need to be to get them engaged to get them using their top line to get them thinking about their hind legs all of that stuff you should do in hand before you get on and it makes a really big difference when you get on your horse and also if you're not able to ride because it's like winter or whatever reason groundwork is awesome so i highly recommend coming to the webinar i put together a really cool video that i'm going to show at the end i showed it to herman that oh, the video i just showed Margaret you Shh, don't say it's a secret i hope i mumbled that <laughs> I hope I did not so, it, it wasn't even that hard. So you didn't, you weren't even watching. Um, but I'm going to be showing a, a cool video at the end for people that show up live. So just a little bonus. It's always awesome if you can show up live to the webinars, because I do put a lot of effort into putting together the slides, uh, putting together the presentation, and it's just exciting and fun. I enjoy the webinars. So that's the first thing is the groundwork webinar. Uh, the second thing is our marriage counseling with Luigi. Would you like to explain how that went today? It went super. And what did he do? Um, we just made him more supple. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so sometimes with Luigi, he's tricky. So Luigi is quite difficult. He's tricky. He He wants to lay in the rider's hand he gets crooked he gets crooked he doesn't want to carry the weight behind and he gets a little stiff he's super talented though oh yeah but it's just like getting all the pieces where they need to be and so sometimes when i'm riding on my own i he, he bugs pushes you. my buttons and then we just kind of argue and it it 
bicker at each other. It is not helpful. The bickersons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I asked my wonderful husband today to if he could do some marriage counseling intervention, and it definitely went a lot better. Yeah. We got him to carry more weight. We used some exercises just to get him more supple and uh, turn on the forehand, really, you know, matching the haunches. And leg the, yields. <clears throat> leg yield straight, helpful. leg yield back. Yeah. Not like 20 meters of leg yield, but, you know, three, four strides of leg yield straight and back. And just to get him more balance on four legs and more right leg, left hand and uh, diagonally through. Yeah. And I really like that exercise that you had me do the shoulder in wrong there and then, and then like push come. to the center line yeah and then half pass we need to do a youtube video on that that would okay. be a really good one that would be a super one that's a conrad exercise it is i was going to just say conrad would be so happy because i got that one from him yeah and it's just because there's so much suppling in it it's one side the other side back over this way and then you get the horse really on all four legs and then the balance is there, and then they're a lot more mobile. Yeah. All right. Should we quickly answer Deborah Porter's question? Yes, answer Deborah Porter's question. When in canter, how should the rider's weight be distributed between the saddle and the stirrups? 50% in both, 80% saddle, and 20% in stirrups, or some other combo? Um, I don't really know the numbers, but I know I've got a lot more in the saddle than I do in the stirrups. I want to sit on my horse. Yeah. And I've never really weighted it, like, you know, how much, but. Um, I would say 80-20. Yeah, 80-20 seems fair enough. 90-10 even, maybe. Yeah. So, I would always say that the upper, like, the weight of your torso goes into your seat, and the weight of your legs goes into the stirrups. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, if you didn't have stirrups, could you ride the canner? And then yeah. you'd have zero weight in the stirrups. Right. So I just. But you should have I, some I have, like, just stirrups. enough weight to keep my legs, the stirrup from flying around. I don't really. But you don't want to jam your foot right. in the stirrup. And you also don't want to take your foot. Like a lot of people grip with their legs in the canter and then they lose their stirrups. Right. Because the heels come up. So your ankle has to stay. And again, when you're talking about putting that weight in, it can't be hard. You can't be sitting in your horse and then you're inflexible. When you put weight down in the stirrups, you can't be hard and stiff there either. Your ankle, your ankle is your shock absorber. It has to, that heel, you're flat, and then the heel comes down. You're flat, and the heel comes down. So even though you're putting some weight there, it can't be rigid. Rigid is just the kiss of death. There yeah. can never be rigidity. Yeah. Everything has to be fluid, soft, supple. Yeah. But anyway, the short answer is uh, more weight in the saddle than in your feet, and by a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is in strides this month, our focus is on mindset and it's been a really fun month to like really think about your mindset think about how we deal with fear we were talking about tapping my mom made this hilarious video oh i saw it this morning <laughs> tapping her head tapping because there's like a lot of techniques that you can do to calm yourself down and to release tension and some of them seem weird like the tapping and the shaking but they work. And it's important, like we were talking about last night, um, having that ability to calm yourself down in a tricky situation. And we have Remember you were showing this like analogy? Oh, about your student who was like, 
Okay, right. So we were talking about because you had said because I do it in the saddle when I, something happens, and you were saying you that, shake it off. Yeah, while I'm in the saddle, and you and were saying to do down. it before the saddle, before you even get on. And so, right then, I made a. And so when I thought it was like this. Okay, so you come to your horse, and you're at this point. Right? Of anxiety, like yeah, a middle just, anxiety. This is where you are. Right? Your baseline anxiety. And level. so when your horse is getting, you know, spooky Feisty. or whatever. That's over here. And so the distance from here to here isn't very much. But if you take care of all that breathing and you get your mind right, before so you start you get out on, calmer. So you start out calmer, then you're over here. And so when your horse does something, you just move this way. So if you start from farther away from anxiety, when something happens, you're going to be calmer, which is yes. how I thought about that. Because Kathy did that and she was way better when he did a ding dong thing. Yeah. So I think it, it is important to figure out how to calm yourself down and how to relax yourself when you're not on the horse, because when you're on your horse and they spook, it's like too, I mean, it's not too late, but you need to have that skill set first. You already want to be centered and grounded yeah, and, before the event. And you need to have some tools of like, okay, I can breathe. I can, you know shake it off a little. I can sit back. You have to have some tools installed before you're in the panic zone. It's the same thing with our horses. You have to teach them how to, how to bend and yield from your leg before they panic. You have to teach them the one rein stop when they're relaxed so that you can use it when but, they panic. And it's the same thing for us. Training will supplant instinct. Yeah. Right. That's why we train. That's why the police department trains. That's why the military trains, because in a moment of crisis, when all that's happening, the training kicks in. Yeah. And then that will override the instinct. Right. I've been on so many horses that have misbehaved and it's lean back, feet down, lean back. And that you hear your trainer saying that. And now when my horse does something, I don't even have to think my body just goes to that position because training will supplant instinct. But you have to, you got yeah, to train. For people and for horses. Absolutely. Yeah. I went to boot camp. It absolutely, <laughs> one, I am 100% convinced it works because I watched it in action. Tell I, them the telephone story. Tell them the telephone story. So, you know, you're up for about three nights and then they let you call home. And this was in 1986. So there was no cell phones, really. We just called collect. And then the company commander comes in and there's 50 of us on the phone. And he starts yelling, all right, time to hang up, time to hang up. You got to get up. And it took three minutes. You heard 50 phones hang up at a different time. And it was just chaos. 13 weeks later, we got to call home because we were going to graduate. The company commander comes in and he says, okay, that's it. Time's up. You heard one phone hang up. 50 guys all together. He said, hang up. We went, got to go. Bang. Only one phone. And 13 weeks went by and I went, oh, my God. It worked. Training supplants instinct. You, it, me, you, the horse, all of us. But it, you know, it was boot camp. We did things for 13 weeks and they got our minds right. So you can do it too. What one man can do, another man can do. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, everyone who's listening to the podcast won't be able to see your hand things. Just so everyone who's watching here knows. We always make these into a podcast. So you can listen to them on the go. It's dressage with Amelia. You can download it onto your phone. 
listen to us for entertainment. Okay, Maybe so can hear my hand this is this is from one of our Strides members, and I hope it's okay with her that we share it. But she posted in the Facebook group, and I just love this because she said, "Today I realized I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm not afraid to ride my mare anymore. I used to be anxious at just the thought of riding her." I knew I had to go out and be with her. Um, so then she outlines and she says, this is what I did. So number one, I spent time reading books, listening to podcasts and online courses about working through fear. Number two, I did calming meditations. Three, when I was afraid to ride, I made myself go out and start the process with a promise to myself that I didn't have to get on. Usually after grooming, hand walking and groundwork, I did get on. Brilliant, no? Right, because that way yeah. you take it one step at a time. Exactly. Don't worry about getting on right now because right now we're doing groundwork. We'll yeah. do that then. Right. right now we're doing groundwork. So you're present, you're mindful, you're in the moment. I mean, and I do that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, well, I'll enter the show. And if I get to the show and my horse is a disaster, I'll just scratch. <laughs> and right. then most of the time I don't, but I give myself that option because. Because you're going, you might yeah. need to. So then she says, sometimes I got on and walked five steps and got off. I rewarded my horse every time she was calm and after every successful ride. I spent a lot of time just sitting on her and not going anywhere. I bought a neck strap, like a grab strap that I could hold on to if I ever felt unbalanced. I watched video of good riders and how they rode. I stayed in strides, even though I didn't feel like I could do any of the exercises. I watched office hours and learned many small tips to help my seat and confidence. I listened to your stories in the Facebook group and knew I wasn't alone. I didn't let anyone force or intimidate me into doing anything on my horse that I wasn't ready to do. And it all worked. I'm looking forward to some warmer weather so I can get on my girl and trot, maybe even do a little entry level practice. Long story short, you can do this too. That's a fact. That's good. That is a fact. We I can like all that. do it. And it's so important with horses to take little baby steps, like, you know, just go out and groom your horse and do some groundwork. And I think a lot of times people, they don't ride for a month because whatever, and then they get on and want to go like canter out in the field. And that's not good. That's it's not, <laughs> that is not a realistic expectation. No, no. That is setting yourself up for failure. Yes. And then you go and you have a bad experience or someone will go yeah. and have a bad experience. And that's what you remember because yeah. you just, you created the situation was created where there can be no positive outcome. Yes. So anyways, I think that it, it is true that we all struggle with fear at times or insecurities or feeling not good enough. And it's important that you, number one, are very aware of your mindset and aware of like how you're feeling and then that you start to be able to get control of that because it can you, it can take you down some bad bad roads. well that's what you were saying about um you know you can do the breathing you can write and then i can't remember who i was on the phone with but they were very upset and i felt my, it was this morning and i was just like no yeah. i'm not going on that road i'm not going on that road yes and i just listened yeah 
What is it called? Nervous system co-regulation. Why is it co-regulation? Because you're co-regulating with someone else or with your horse. Like it's a codependence. Oh. Yeah, well, they were on the phone, so I wasn't regulating anything but myself because I was getting upset. Okay. And I was able to. So here's another thing about mindset. I've been reading this book. It's called, everyone's going to ask, Winning Habits, How Elite Equestrians Master the Mental Game by Annette Paterex. So I'm not very far into it, but it's super interesting. It's mostly about show jumpers. So she talks about the power of visualization. And there was this study that they did where basically one group of basketball play their basketball players so one group had to practice free throws every day for an hour the second group had to visualize free throws for an hour every day and the third group just had to like practice basketball and they didn't really tell them to focus on anything after 30 days the three groups were tested the first group had improved with 24%. The last group hadn't improved at all. The second group, however, who had not touched a ball for 30 days, but merely visualized the free throws had improved by 23%. So almost the same as the ones who practice. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've heard that, that your brain doesn't know the difference yeah. between you physically doing yeah. it because your brain just exactly. thinks. So your brain doesn't know the difference between you actually doing it and you thinking it. Yeah. So visualization is a really powerful tool and you can use it for anything. I mean, you could use it for the canter transition. You could use it for the trot. You could use it for anything that you're having trouble with when you can't sleep at night is lay down. And the more senses that you can have involved in your visualization, the better. So visualize like how your horse feels underneath of you, how your seat feels in the saddle, how the reins feel, what it smells like, it, what the temperature is like, what your arena looks like, all of those things. And you could also visualize, you know, when your horse spooks, right? And what you will what do. You, yeah. Like you're going to sit back, you're going to keep your hands down, all of that stuff. It's really powerful. It works. And I think for all of us, we have limited time in the saddle. Right. You, just, <laughs> you can't ride your one. What is it you always say? You would learn faster if you rode 10 horses a day, but you can't ride your one horse 10 times. <laughs> yes, you can't ride your one horse 10 times in a day. So you should visualize instead. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, what else are we talking about tonight? We have some questions to answer. Oh, I have a request for everyone watching live. I've been doing some work because, you know, I'm always trying to like make our courses better and make the best educational content ever. So my question to you is what is the like one or two exercises that you feel like has helped you the most ever in your riding? Let me know in the comments. Like it could be a pattern. It could be a certain, I don't know, concept. But what's like that one exercise or one thing that you've learned that you feel like has really turned a corner in your riding? Because basically what my vision is for the, I guess, for the business is to try to 
make online training super helpful and also figure out how to personalize it more, how to have like set you up on a track and have a personalized plan for you based on your needs, based on where you are with your horse. So that's just in the future one day, right? Let's see. Natalie says 10 meter circle. I yeah, love that. Um, scrambled eggs. Oh, I, I, I didn't add that one. That's, um, <laughs> there we go. Well, that's what changed when, when Albert took me by the forearm. Yeah. And was just like, oh my God, you're so strong. Would and that changed my world and changed all my horses. And it's changed everybody I've taught ever since. Yeah. And all about the suppling. Yeah. The scrambled egg thing is what changed. Yeah. Snowman, me. soft feel. Shoulder in. Awesome. Okay. Interesting. All right. We will answer a few questions. So let me see. Here from, oh, we'll answer Christine's questions. I'm working on rhythm with my five-year-old off the track thoroughbred. Is it okay to do the counting exercise where you alternate between rising and sitting trot, or is he too young for sitting trot? Also, should he be warmed up for doing the exercise? Good question. Um, so counting is a really great exercise because it helps you to find a steady rhythm yep. and tempo. Keeps the tempo going. But you definitely want your horse warmed up before you do sitting trot. Yes. So what I would recommend doing, what I do a lot of times, if I get on a horse and they're like hot, is I just count the trot rhythm or sing a song. Right. Just like one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And then I would say once your horse is warmed up, you could start alternating between posting trot and sitting trot. Yes. Right. That's what I mean. So my and basic warm up would be like the three twenty meter circles in both directions. So that's you know four or five minutes, and then you could do sitting, posting, sitting, posting. Yes. Okay. Uh, next question: In the medium trot, do you lighten your seat when? I see so many people lean back. Doesn't that dig the seat bones into your horse's back? Um, what do you mean? <laughs> you answer that one. No, I don't. I, I was don't, looking at you. Okay. No, I don't think it makes you. It, potentially, you could grind into their kidneys. But when they start moving off huge like that, you have to make an adjustment. Otherwise, you're going to get bounced out of the tack. But you, yeah, you have to sit a little back, but you don't want to lean back. Right, you don't want to lean back and like, hold on to the reins. You don't I mean, want to I've go water that. skiing. Yeah, you're not going water skiing, so I don't know if that's what you. But yeah, you have to make a little adjustment because I mean it's coming up. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not talking about water skiing. Yeah. Okay. Here's a good. One from Christiana. I've been working to encourage my five-year-old warm bud to respond more actively to the inside leg and to maintain contact with the outside rein, but I'm finding it challenging to get a consistent reaction. Could you share some techniques or exercises that might help improve our communication and responsiveness? Mm, I like groundwork. Come to the groundwork webinar on Sunday on PF. But I, I don't know. I feel like with young horses, if they're not listening to your inside leg, it's always good to do it from the ground. Or you could do what we did today with Luigi. 
Right. You, it's, it, you want it to happen. And I did the same thing with Ralph today, too. So that you do the leg yield and you do the leg yield. And there has to be an electricity in you that you're like, oh, my God, we got to jump to the side. Oh, my God, we got to jump to the side. Yeah. And raise that horse and get him. Oh, oh, boy, we're jumping. We're jumping. And you'll come better from that leg ache. You know, if your horse is all calm and chill and everything, you gotta you gotta add some heat to that. So you have to be electric and you have to put your leg on. You've got to put your leg on quick. You put your leg on, something doesn't happen. Pop up out, chop, 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 chop. And then then raise up the level and then maintain. Okay. Um, so there's two questions about horses with time off so if you're off riding for quite a while nine weeks horses have been sitting where do you start i have knee surgery need started again um and then there's another one rehabbing her horse so well if the horse has been sound and you've been off then i would just lunge a little bit in the beginning and make sure everything's all hunky-dory and hop on groundwork yeah Make sure the horse is like, okay, you know, let some of the steam out of the pot. And then if it's looking calm, up you go. Um, rehab, that's a whole other thing. Um, and your you vet. You have to talk to your vet. You got to talk to your vet. You have to have a protocol and follow what the vet tells you for the rehab. That's a, if you're got, if you're off, that's, a, and the horse is sound, yeah. that's a different thing. But, you know, if your horse has been off and depending on the injury, your vet's going to have an opinion on how that should be rehabilitated. Yeah. But safety first. I've, I, it's so important when you're rehabbing a horse or when your horse has been off for a while that you really listen to your voice inside your head. And because sometimes the vets will say these things that are like just kind of, Impossible. Impossible. They'll be like, your horse has been locked in the stall for a year. Now get on. And hand and walk for 10 minutes. No, get on and tack walk. Tack walk. Yeah. yeah. Or you can trot, but only in straight lines. And and if you feel like you're going to die, you need to like get help or like give your horse. I hate drugging horses, but sometimes. But something because you can't, the horse, if he's all revved yeah. up and he just breaks in half and he goes galloping off, he's going to hurt himself again. Right. So the drugs aren't the greatest thing, but it's right. better than that. But but you have to a little bit, you know, it's terrible to say, but I always say like your safety has to come first. And um, so, you know, discuss that with your vet and take your time. So anyways, there was a lot of good questions. Uh, I wanted to talk quickly about the webinar on Sunday. So it is about training Piaf, but I'm... As you know, like Piaf is the pinnacle of dressage, right? Piaf is a big part of the Grand Prix. It's something that is really exciting and fun to ride. If you've ever had the chance to ride a really good Piaf, it, it's just an incredible feeling when you feel like that power and that energy and it's all under you and in balance. But it really is the culmination of a lot of correct training, a lot of correct basics that go into teaching your horse to pee off. And so that's really what the webinar is about is all of those little steps that you need to get there. And a lot of times people don't do the foundation right. And they just start, you know, chasing their horse from behind and holding them in front. We've all seen that. 
and the horses freak out. It's and, very exciting. Yes. <laughs> and you don't want to be in the arena when that's happening. No. And so, you know, I've had both experiences. I've definitely been on horses where like someone comes behind you with a whip and you're just like the horse is so scared and doesn't understand and you're scared. Um, and then we worked with a trainer named Morton Thompson. And he, I think, was the first one that I really saw break it down like step by step in such a kind and gentle way to teach horses to lift their leg and then yeah just, and everything just flowed and the next thing you knew your horse was peoffing yeah with no drama yeah it's super cool horses are so smart they're so in tune with their body and if you can teach them some like simple stuff on the ground and here's the thing if the horse feels safe they'll do yeah. anything yeah as soon as they're worried it's all downhill after that yeah and so that really is a big focus in the webinar on Sunday is how to kind of establish that trust and that communication with your horse on the ground and break it down. You can teach your horse so much from the ground. You can teach them how to respond to the rain aid. You can teach them how to respond to the leg aid. You can teach them to move sideways. You can teach them to bend. And often it's much easier for the horse to learn that stuff without you on them. I mean, can you imagine if you had to do yoga with like a 50 pound backpack on? <laughs> you don't do I yoga. Think, I, I, I'm just trying to think about, you know, the uh, the special forces down in San Diego and they got to hike those sand mountains with the 75 pound packs. Right. That's like what we ask our horses to do. That is, those boys are in shape. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But so if you can teach them some of this stuff without your weight on their back, it's, it's, it's easier, easier for them. Because that's one less thing that they're not worried about. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's better mentally for the horse. And sometimes it's better for you. I would rather get off and explain something from the ground. I think one of the biggest things I always get off and work on is if they won't move sideways off my leg. Like that is one thing that I feel you really have to teach from the ground. You just do not want to get in a so that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.